Good morning everyone and welcome to our Sunday Reflection for the 1st of May. Let me begin today with some words from Psalm 30. O Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down to the pit. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Risen Lord, present with us here, we praise you that you are a God of grace and compassion. You are risen and alive forevermore and you long for us to enjoy friendship with you just as you had with your disciples when you walk with them on the earth. Lord, may we draw close to you in this moment. Feed us by your word and by your spirit, that we may in turn feed and serve others and do so in your name and for your sake. We give you thanks for creation all around us, for its beauty, its life, its power and its majesty. I think so great and yet so vulnerable. We rejoice in the sunshine as well as the, the gentle rain, in the seas, the mountains, the lakes, fields, beaches and gardens, all of them gifts from you to be enjoyed and to care for. Lord, help us to make sure that we do that. We thank you, Lord, the creator of all, the living God who sees so much more than we could ever think or know and who chooses to invite us to join in the divine mission to bring love and life and light to this world. Lord Jesus, whenever we forget that you are alive, when we're slow to ask for your advice and to look for your guidance, when we think that we know best and forge ahead regardless because we think we know your mind, Please forgive us. Remind us in firm but gentle ways of how close and active you always are. You who are ever living, Lord of all creation. Lord Jesus, may your spirit move amongst us here and now, we pray. Give us the courage to let your spirit renew and inspire us through your word. You speak to us of hope and faith and love and Challenge us to live lives that are faithful to you and your cause of justice and peace. Hear us now, as together with all your people we pray the words you taught your friends, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our reading for this morning is taken from John's Gospel, John 21, and we're reading verses 1 through to 19. Let us hear the word of God. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. 
it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not recognise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I say, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. Breakfast in our house is the one meal where everybody kind of does their own things. For as long as I can remember, I've been a toast and marmalade man. Elsie is maybe a little bit more healthy. She likes her porridge in the morning with 15, it has to be 15, blueberries counted out and added for a bit of sweetness. Giesel also likes her porridge, but with one spoonful of sugar and one of cinnamon. 
Rebecca's choice, but it's always an egg in the morning. And Chico, Chico's the dog, by the way, Chico in the morning looks forward to his treat, which is currently a baker's bacon flavour chew. Whatever your choice is in the morning, breakfast is important. Apparently, it's the most important meal of the day. It sets you up for a new day. It gives you uh, strength. It gets you up and going again. And today we read a very touching account of a breakfast on the shore at Tiberias, the shores of Galilee. Jesus, sometime after his resurrection, appears once again to some of the disciples, Peter, James and John, Thomas, Nathaniel and two others. In this appearance, we meet Jesus cooking breakfast for this little group of dishevelled, hungry disciples as they come ashore after a night's fishing. Some bread baked on the fire and fish which Jesus shared with them. Alongside their, their joy and their surprise at meeting Jesus again like this, no doubt as they ate the bread and the fish they began to feel revived, their strength returning. But this meal was to set them up for more than just that day. And the nourishment that it brought them was much more than just physical sustenance. This breakfast encounter marked a new beginning, a fresh hope, a new day in their lives. And not least for Peter. The words Jesus speaks to him, the way he gently restores him and reinstates him and affirms him, those words and actions of Jesus that morning would sustain Peter for the remainder of his life. Life was going to be different from what it was before and They needed to be ready. They needed to be restored. They needed to cast off years of habits and experience in favour of casting their nets differently. They needed to understand that Jesus knows best and therefore it was important to listen to him and to be nourished and sustained by him even when things would become difficult, especially when things would turn difficult. It was on that very shoreline that Peter had first been called by Jesus to be his disciple. Called from a career in fishing to become a follower of Jesus. And as he followed Jesus, Peter had become very much Jesus' right-hand man. He was right there with Jesus through some of the most momentous events of his life. The feeding of the 5,000 He saw Jesus walk on water and for a moment as he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he did too. He witnessed Jesus calm the storm, heal the sick, raise the dead. The Last Supper, the Transfiguration. And having seen such things, Peter was the first to confess that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, a confession that that millions of Christians would echo in subsequent centuries. On the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter stressed how he was ready to lay down his life for Jesus. But as he stood warming himself by a fire that same night, it all went so tragically wrong, denying Jesus three times, just as Jesus had predicted. It's in John's Gospel that that we read how he was asked specifically, Are you not one of this man's disciples? to which Peter denied ever being a disciple. 
of Jesus. In the hour of greatest need, he had let Jesus down. Have you ever felt what it's like to let somebody down, especially someone important to you? I think all of us know a little of how that feels. Promise is not fulfilled. Whether it be a family member or a work colleague or perhaps a friendship betrayed, the truth is we, we all let people down sometimes. And as Christians, maybe we can recall times when we've let down Jesus. If we're honest, there must be those occasions when we can recall doing or saying something that we know displeased him. Peter, like the other disciples, must have been overjoyed as they came to terms with the resurrection after those first appearances. But still there was that dark cloud hanging over Peter, that he'd let Jesus down, that he'd blown it. Would there be any chance that this friendship could be restored? How could there be any chance of him now having any kind of role in God's work in the world? And so this little leaderless group of disciples find themselves retracing their steps to the place where they came from to do what they used to do best. Let's go fishing, Peter says to them. I wonder, was he in his mind going back home back to the place of that first encounter with Jesus, reminiscing about that calling to follow, to be his disciple. If only he could be there again. But of course, things were different. How could things be the same? Peter just couldn't envisage himself worthy to be a disciple again. They got into a boat and spent all night fishing but disappointingly caught nothing. Until just as daylight was breaking, a lonely figure on the shore called out to them, Friends, haven't you caught any fish? Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. What was there to lose? They did so, and when they did, they suddenly had such an abundance of fish that they were unable to haul the net in. The penny dropped. One of the disciples suddenly recognised this stranger on the shore as Jesus. Peter, impulsive as ever, immediately jumped into the water and swam ashore, where Jesus had already been preparing a fire with burning coals with fish and some bread. It was breakfast, breakfast for more than one, um, one that he had every intention of sharing. And he says to Peter and his companions, come and have breakfast with me. You can just picture them, can't you? Friends reunited again, sitting around that fire, talking excitedly, laughing, tucking into breakfast. Is that how you think of Jesus? As someone who desires to be your friend? Do you really believe he is risen? Because if you do, you must believe you must believe that he is with us today in the way that he was with those first disciples who saw him, the ones whom he appointed apostles. Do you think of him as someone you can sit down with over breakfast or over a cup of coffee and talk to as a dear, close friend? Someone who desires and enjoys friendship with you. This Jesus is risen. Today, he lives. 
But maybe like Peter, there's that something hanging over you that makes you hesitant. <clears throat> we know that we've let him down. We, we feel guilt. Maybe we, we deny it. Uh, maybe we even manage to silence our conscience for a while, but we can't deceive God. He's our creator and he sees our sin and our failures. There's nothing we can hide from him. He knows about our guilt. And maybe therefore we, we think there's no hope for us of ever enjoying that kind of closeness, that kind of friendship with Jesus again. But here we see Jesus' willingness to forgive and to restore. On the shore, by that fire over breakfast, Jesus looks Peter in the eye and gives him three opportunities to reverse and to replace his three denials in Jerusalem. Do you love me? Jesus says. Yes, says Peter. You know I do. Three times Jesus asks the same question. And three times he commissions Peter to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs. In other words, uh, he reinstates Peter as his disciple. He affirms him in his new role as an apostle, as the chief pastor of the early church, to be the shepherd of Christ's flock, the leader that this little growing community of Christians are looking for, proclaiming Jesus' words and deeds to the world with the help of the Holy Spirit, after Jesus' ascension, the world would need reliable witnesses to everything that Jesus had said and done. New Christians would need Peter and would need the other apostles to tell them what following Jesus, what, uh, what being a disciple really means. <clears throat> that morning, Jesus had fed Peter and his friends with fish and bread for breakfast. In the future, their task would be to feed the early church with spirit-inspired words. Words that, to this very day, feed us and sustain our faith in this Jesus whom they witnessed with their own eyes and heard with their own ears. With whom they sat down to eat, enjoying one another's company. This Jesus still calls people to be his disciple. The disciples, every Christian is a disciple of Jesus called to listen to him and to learn from him and to follow him. In many ways, it's like the dawning of a new day for us. As we emerge as church after two years of disruption, whether we serve on committee or as elders, as a minister, as a church member, Sunday school teacher, every one of us, that call to discipleship comes again to us as Jesus longs to restore your friendship with him. Do you love me? He's asking you. Then follow me. Follow me even when it costs. Follow me even when that means loving me more than wealth and health or popularity. Follow me. Love me enough to spend time with me in prayer to listen and obey. Love me enough so that you long to tell others about me. Love me enough to serve God with all your heart. Isn't it interesting that before Jesus actually issues that invitation again to Peter, follow me. He first tells Peter exactly what that's going to mean for him. I tell you the truth, he says, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. 
But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is to Peter who had said to Jesus, I will lay, lay down my life for you. And some hours later denied three times that, that he was a disciple of Jesus. But now is a moment, a Kairos moment, if you like, to hit the reset button and start anew. And I imagine rather than being put off by hearing those words, Peter was assured by them. As in them he heard Jesus assuring him that he would, he would now remain faithful to the end. And he did. About 30 more years after that breakfast on the beach, Peter served his Lord sacrificially until his dying day, even glorifying him in his death under Nero's persecution of Christians in AD 60. On the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Peter's relationship with Jesus was restored. His calling as a disciple, his responsibility for Christ's flock was reaffirmed. And that's a precious reminder for all of us that our failures and sins and life circumstances don't need to destroy our faith or to drive us to despair. Christ can still have plans and purposes for us when we turn back to him. Amen. Let us now come before God with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let's pray. Lord, today we respond again to your invitation to come and to follow. Teach us what it means to be your disciple in the 21st century in Britain and Ireland. Teach us to listen to you when it might mean doing things differently, when it might mean breaking with old habits. Help us to consult you and to discern what it might mean to be your disciple and how we cast our vote on Thursday. Guide us, Lord, to make wise choices for the good of all. May the whole election process be fair and honest. We pray for the safety of all candidates, for their families and all involved. Lord, help electoral officials and police officers as they do their part in ensuring a safe and peaceful election. We continue to pray for all of those displaced from their homes in Ukraine. Lord, help them find safe, secure and comfortable places to stay. We think especially of those who are vulnerable, the elderly, the very young, and those with disabilities. Lord, put your loving protection around them and lead them to places of safety. We pray for peace. We pray that daily missile strikes and fighting might stop, that people would be able to live again in Ukraine in peace and security together with their neighbour. Lord, we pray too today for our special schools just around the corner from us in McCracken, for Glenvay, for Harberton School, for Fleming Fulton School. Help them, Lord, at this time to find the support that they need and that, that special needs families need. 
We pray that strike action will uh, will be able to end soon so that children can get back to their schools and friends and teachers again. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful work of staff there, whether teachers or classroom assistants or drivers or whoever. Lord, encourage them and help them to feel valued and appreciated for the work that they do. We pray for all of those going through difficulty at this time, those people finding it really hard financially and who are fearful about what lies ahead. Help them, Lord, to trust you to provide in these difficult times. We pray for action from government that really will help those most vulnerable, those struggling just to survive. For those who are ill, Lord, we pray for healing. Give patience to those in care, to those in hospital, those in recovery. Remind them of your living presence with them, no matter what their circumstances, no matter where they are. Give them strength today and fill them with your hope and your healing. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. And now, may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.